Section 10, Part 2, Chapter 3 of Atlantis, The Antediluvian World, by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. Atlantis, the Antediluvian World by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly. Section 10. Chapter 3. The Deluge of the Chaldeans. We have two versions of the Chaldean story, unequally developed, indeed, but exhibiting a remarkable agreement. The one most anciently known, and also the shorter, is that which Beresus took from the sacred books of Babylon, and introduced into the history that he wrote for the use of the Greeks. After speaking of the last nine antediluvian kings, the Chaldean priest continues thus, Obartes el Baratutu, being dead, his son Xisuthros Chasisatra reigned eighteen saris, sixty-four thousand eight hundred years. It was under him that the great deluge took place, the history of which is told in the sacred documents as follows. Kronos, Ea appeared to him in his sleep and announced that on the fifteenth of the month of Dicios, the Assyrian month Sivan, a little before the summer solstice, all men should perish by a flood. He therefore commanded him to take the beginning, the middle, and the end of whatever was consigned to writing, and to bury it in the city of the sun at Sippara, and to build a vessel, and to enter it with his family and dearest friends, to place in this vessel provisions to eat and drink, and to cause animals, birds, and quadrupeds to enter it, lastly, to prepare everything for navigation. And when Xisuthros inquired in what direction he should steer his bark, he was answered, Toward the gods, and enjoined to pray that good might come of it for men. Xisuthros obeyed, and constructed a vessel five stadia long and five broad. He collected all that had been prescribed to him, and embarked his wife, his children, and his intimate friends. The deluge having come, and soon going down, Xisuthros loosed some of the birds, these, finding no food nor place to alight on, returned to the ship. A few days later, Xisuthros again let them free, but they returned again to the vessel, their feet full of mud. Finally, loosed the third time, the birds came no more back. Then Xisuthros understood that the earth was bare. He made an opening in the roof of the ship, and saw that it had grounded on the top of a mountain. He then descended with his wife, his children, and his pilot, who worshipped the earth, raised an altar, and there sacrificed to the gods. At the same moment he vanished with those who accompanied him. Meanwhile, those who had remained in the vessel, not seeing Sisothros return, 
descended to and began to seek him calling him by name they saw xisuthros no more but a voice from heaven was heard commanding them piety toward the gods that he indeed was receiving the reward of his piety in being carried away to dwell thenceforth in the midst of the gods and that his wife his daughter and the pilot of the ship shared the same honor the voice further said that they were to return to babylon and conformably to the decrees of fate disinter the writings buried at sipara in order to transmit them to men it added that the country in which they found themselves was armenia these then having heard the voice sacrificed to the gods and returned on foot to babylon of the vessel of xisuthros which had finally landed in armenia a portion is still to be found in the gordian mountains in armenia and pilgrims bring thence asphalt that they have scraped from its fragments it is used to keep off the influence of witchcraft as to the companions of xisuthros they came to babylon disinterred the writings left at sipara founded numerous cities built temples and restored babylon by the side of this version says lenormand which interesting though it be is after all second-hand we are now able to place an original chaldeo babylonian edition which the lamented george smith was the first to decipher on the cuneiform tablets exhumed at nineveh and now in the british museum here the narrative of the deluge appears as an episode in the eleventh tablet or eleventh chant of the great epic of the town of uruk the hero of this poem a kind of hercules whose name has not as yet been made out with certainty being attacked by disease a kind of leprosy goes with a view to its cure to consult the patriarch saved from the deluge Chasisatra, in the distant land to which the gods have transported him there to enjoy eternal felicity he asks Chasisatra to reveal the secret of the events which led to his obtaining the privilege of immortality and thus the patriarch is induced to relate the cataclysm by a comparison of the three copies of the poem that the library of the palace of nineveh contained it has been possible to restore the narrative with hardly any breaks these three copies were by order of the king of assyria ashurbanabal made in the eighth century b c from a very ancient specimen in the sacerdotal library of the town of uruk founded by the monarchs of the first chaldean empire it is difficult precisely to fix the date of the original copied by assyrian scribes but it goes back to the ancient empire seventeen centuries at least before our era and even probably beyond it was therefore much anterior to moses and nearly contemporaneous with abraham the variations presented by the three existing copies prove that the original was in the primitive mode of writing called the hieratic 
a character which must have already become difficult to decipher in the eighth century b c as the copyists had differed as to the interpretation to be given to certain signs and in other cases have simply reproduced exactly the forms of such as they did not understand finally it results from a comparison of these variations that the original transcribed by order of ashurbanabal must itself have been a copy of some still more ancient manuscript it which the original text had already received interlinear comments some of the copyists have introduced these into their text others have omitted them with these preliminary observations i proceed to give integrally the narrative ascribed in the poem to Khasisatra. i will reveal to thee o istubar the history of my preservation and tell to thee the decision of the gods the town of shuripak a town which thou knowest is situated on the euphrates it was ancient and in it men did not honor the gods i alone i was their servant to the great gods the gods took counsel on the appeal of an a deluge was proposed by bel and approved by nabon nergal and adar and the god ea the immutable lord repeated this command in a dream i listened to the decree of fate that he announced and he said to me man of shuripak son of ubaratutu thou build a vessel and finish it quickly by a deluge i will destroy substance and life cause thou to go up into the vessel the substance of all that has life the vessel thou shalt build six hundred cubits shall be the measure of its length and sixty cubits the amount of its breadth and of its height launch it thus on the ocean and cover it with a roof i understood and i said to ea my lord the vessel that thou commandest me to build thus when i shall do it young and old shall laugh at me ea opened his mouth and spoke he said to me his servant if they laugh at thee thou shalt say to them shall be punished he who has insulted me for the protection of the gods is over me like to caverns i will exercise my judgment on that which is on high and that which is below close the vessel at a given moment that i shall cause thee to know enter into it and draw the door of the ship toward thee within it thy grains thy furniture thy provisions thy riches thy men-servants and thy maid-servants and thy young people the cattle of the field and the wild beasts of the plain that i will assemble and that i will send thee shall be kept behind thy door khasisatra opened his mouth and spoke he said to ea his lord no one has made such a ship on the prow i will fix i shall see and the vessel 
the vessel thou commandest me to build thus which in on the fifth day the two sides of the bark were raised in its covering fourteen in all were its rafters fourteen in all did it count above i placed its roof and i covered it i embarked in it on the sixth day i divided its floors on the seventh i divided the interior compartments on the eighth i stopped up the chinks through which the water entered in i visited the chinks and added what was wanting i poured on the exterior three times three thousand six hundred measures of asphalt and three times three thousand six hundred measures of asphalt within three times three thousand six hundred men porters brought on their beads the chests of provisions i kept three thousand six hundred chests for the nourishment of my family and the mariners divided among themselves twice three thousand six hundred chests for provisioning i had oxen slain i instituted rations for each day in anticipation of the need of drinks of barrels and of wine i collected in quantity like to the waters of a river of provisions in quantity like the dust of the earth to arrange them in the chests i set my hand to of the sun the vessel was completed strong and i carried above and below the furniture of the ship the lading filled the two-thirds all that i possessed i gathered together all i possessed of silver i gathered together all i possessed of gold i gathered all that i possessed of the substance of life of every kind i gathered together i made all ascend into the vessel my servants male and female the cattle of the fields the wild beasts of the plains and the sons of the people i made them all ascend shamash the sun made the moment determined and he announced it in these terms in the evening i will cause it to rain abundantly from heaven enter into the vessel and close the door the fixed moment had arrived when he announced in these terms in the evening i will cause it to rain abundantly from heaven when the evening of that day arrived i was afraid i entered into the vessel and shut my door in shutting the vessel to buzur shadi rabi the pilot i confided this dwelling with all that it contained musheri inna namari rose from the foundations of heaven in a black cloud Ramman thundered in the midst of the cloud and nabon and sharru marched before they marched devastating the mountain and the plain nergal the powerful dragged chastisements after him adar advanced overthrowing before him the archangels of the abyss brought destruction in their terrors they agitated the earth the inundation of ramman swelled up the sky and the earth became without lustre was changed into a desert they broke of the surface of the earth like they destroyed the living beings of the surface of the earth the terrible deluge on men swelled up to heaven the brother no longer saw his brother men no longer knew each other 
in heaven the gods became afraid of the water-spout and sought a refuge they mounted up to the heaven of anu the gods were stretched out motionless pressing one against another like dogs ishtar wailed like a child the great goddess pronounced her discourse here is humanity returned into mud and this is the misfortune that i have announced in the presence of the gods so i announced the misfortune in the presence of the gods for the evil i announced the terrible chastisement of men who are mine i am the mother who gave birth to men and like to the race of fishes there they are filling the sea and the gods by reason of that which the archangels of the abyss are doing weep with me the gods on their seats were seated in tears and they held their lips closed revolving future things six days and as many nights passed the wind the water-spout and the diluvian rain were in all their strength at the approach of the seventh day the diluvian rain grew weaker the terrible water-spout which had assailed after the fashion of an earthquake grew calm the sea inclined to dry up and the wind and the water-spout came to an end i looked at the sea attentively observing and the whole of humanity had returned to mud like unto seaweeds the corpses floated i opened the window and the light smote on my face i was seized with sadness i sat down and i wept and my tears came over my face i looked at the regions bounding the sea toward the twelve points of the horizon not any continent the vessel was borne over the land of nizir the mountains of nizir arrested the vessel and did not permit it to pass over a day and a second day the mountain of nizir arrested the vessel and did not permit it to pass over the third and fourth day the mountain of nizir arrested the vessel and did not permit it to pass over the fifth and sixth day the mountain of nizir arrested the vessel and did not permit it to pass over at the approach of the seventh day i sent out and loosed a dove the dove went turned and found no place to light on and it came back i sent out and loosed a swallow the swallow went turned and found no place to light on and it came back i sent out and loosed a raven the raven went and saw the corpses on the waters it ate rested turned and came not back i then sent out what was in the vessel toward the four winds and i offered a sacrifice i raised the pile of my burnt offering on the peak of the mountain seven by seven i disposed the measured vases and beneath i spread rushes cedar and juniper wood the gods were seized with the desire of it the gods were seized with a benevolent desire of it and the gods assembled like flies over the master of the sacrifice from afar in approaching the great goddess raised the great zones that anu had made for their glory the gods 
these gods luminous crystal before me i will never leave them in that day i pray that i might never leave them let the gods come to my sacrificial pile but never may bel come to my sacrificial pile for he did not master himself and he has made the water spout for the deluge and he has numbered my men for the pit from far in drawing near bel saw the vessel and bel stopped he was filled with anger against the gods and the celestial archangels no one shall come out alive no man shall be preserved from the abyss adar opened his mouth and said he said to the warrior bel what other than ea should have formed this resolution for ea possesses knowledge and he foresees all ea opened his mouth and spake he said to the warrior bel o thou herald of the gods warrior as thou didst not master thyself thou hast made the water-spout of the deluge let the sinner carry the weight of his sins the blasphemer the weight of his blasphemy please thyself with this good pleasure and it shall never be infringed faith in it never shall be violated instead of thy making a new deluge let lions appear and reduce the number of men instead of thy making a new deluge let hyenas appear and reduce the number of men instead of thy making a new deluge let there be famine and let the earth be devastated instead of thy making a new deluge let dibbara appear and let men be mown down i have not revealed the decision of the great gods it is khasisatra who interpreted a dream and comprehended what the gods had decided then when his resolve was arrested bel entered into the vessel he took my hand and made me rise he made my wife rise and made her place herself at my side he turned around us and stopped short he approached our group until now khasisatra has made part of perishable humanity but lo now khasisatra and his wife are going to be carried away to live like the gods and khasisatra will reside afar at the mouth of the rivers they carried me away and established me in a remote place at the mouth of the streams this narrative says lenormand follows with great exactness the same course as that or rather as those of genesis and the analogies are on both sides striking when we consider these two forms of the same legend we see many points wherein the story points directly to atlantis one in the first place berisus tells us that the god who gave warning of the coming of the deluge was chronos chronos it is well known was the same as saturn saturn was the ancient king of italy 
who far anterior to the founding of rome introduced civilization from some other country to the italians he established industry and social order filled the land with plenty and created the golden age of italy he was suddenly removed to the abodes of the gods his name is connected in the mythological legends with a great saturnian continent in the atlantic ocean and a great kingdom which in the remote ages embraced northern africa and the european coast of the mediterranean as far as the peninsula of italy and quote, certain islands in the sea end quote, agreeing in this respect with the story of plato as to the dominions of atlantis the romans called the atlantic ocean cronium mare the sea of chronos thus identifying chronos with that ocean the pillars of hercules were also called by the ancients quote, the pillars of chronos here then we have convincing testimony that the country referred to in the chaldean legends was the land of chronos or saturn the ocean world the dominion of atlantis two hea or ea the god of the nineveh tablets was a fish god he was represented in the chaldean monuments as half man and half fish he was described as the god not of the rivers and seas but of quote, the abyss end quote, to wit the ocean he it was who was said to have brought civilization and letters to the ancestors of the assyrians he clearly represented an ancient maritime civilized nation he came from the ocean and was associated with some land and people that had been destroyed by rain and inundations the fact that the scene of the deluge is located on the euphrates proves nothing for we will see hereafter that almost every nation had its especial mountain on which according to its traditions the ark rested just as every greek tribe had its own particular mountain of olympus the god bell of the legend was the baal of the phoenicians who as we shall show were of atlantean origin bell or baal was worshipped on the western and northern coasts of europe and gave his name to the baltic the great and little belt balisbaugen balistranden etc and to many localities in the british isles as for instance bellen and the ball hills in yorkshire three in those respects where in the chaldean legend evidently the older form of the tradition differs from the biblical record we see that in each instance we approach nearer to atlantis the account given in genesis is the form of the tradition that would be natural to an inland people although there is an allusion to quote, the breaking up of the fountains of the great deep end quote, about which i will speak more fully hereafter the principal destruction seems to have been accomplished by rain 
hence the greater period allowed for the deluge to give time enough for the rain to fall and subsequently drain off from the land a people dwelling in the midst of a continent could not conceive the possibility of a whole world sinking beneath the sea they therefore supposed the destruction to have been caused by a continuous downpour of rain for forty days and forty nights in the chaldean legend on the contrary the rain lasted but seven days we see that the writer had a glimpse of the fact that the destruction occurred in the midst of or near the sea the ark of genesis was simply a chest a coffer a big box such as might be imagined by an inland people the ark of the chaldeans was a veritable ship it had a prow a helm and a pilot and men to manage it and it navigated quote, the sea for the chaldean legend represents not a mere rainstorm but a tremendous cataclysm there was rain it is true but there was also thunder lightning earthquakes wind a waterspout and a devastation of mountain and land by the war of the elements all the dreadful forces of nature were fighting together over the doomed land Quote, the archangel of the abyss brought destruction the water rose to the sky the brother no longer saw his brother men no longer knew each other End quote. the men quote, filled the sea like fishes End quote. the sea was filled with mud and the corpses floated like seaweed End quote when the storm abated the land had totally disappeared there was no longer quote, any continent end quote. does not all this accord with quote, the dreadful day and night end quote, described by plato five in the original it appears that istubar when he started to find the deified Khasisatra, travelled first for nine days journey to the sea then secured the services of a boatman and entering a ship sailed for fifteen days before finding the chaldean noah this would show that khasisatra dwelt in a far country one only attainable by crossing the water and this too seemed like a reminiscence of the real sight of atlantis the sea which a sailing vessel required fifteen days to cross must have been a very large body of water in fact an ocean end of part two chapter three end of section ten